LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning team, hope you're all okay on this cold, chilly Sunday morning. I think we can safely say winter has arrived. So I hope you're nicely wrapped up warm this morning with a hot water bottle and a nice cup of tea. Coming up in an hour, it's In Conversation with this week. I'm joined by Jason Fleming, whose 90th film, Great Expectations, is in the cinemas now. And the lovely Catherine Jenkins, who's getting in the festive spirit. But for now, we hear my best bits of the week. And this week, we made some great progress with all those ghastly celebrity programmes. Joe says, uh, hopefully England will get tired with the X Factor and go back to making proper programmes. Well, they won't. And the reason that we like things like the X Factor is because they're cheap to make. They're very cheap programmes. Cost far more to make things like Dad's Army or anything like that. They're never going to go back to to those sort of days. Absolutely not. They really, they, they can't afford to. They're looking for something that's going to generate income very, very quickly. And it's, it's a reality show. That's why you've got no end of third-rate, sort of, you know, low-rent Z-list celebrities, not even Z-list, who pitch up on these television programmes. You've only got to look at, at the uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, to realise if the best you can get, the best value, is Helen Flanagan, a third-rate NAF actress who hasn't worked in God knows how long, and that's the best we can get. Jo- you know, and then you also end up with sort of Limal, who was an 80s pop star... And you think, that was the 80s. I mean, even Rosemary Schrager, I mean, she's not all there in the head, is she, really? Didn't have the faintest idea who he was. I mean, you know, you think, well, how can you not know? You're older than I am. You must know who he is. I know who he is. How can you not know? That's, that's what sort of worries me when you get these people that go, I don't know who you are. Like, most people are probably going, I don't know who, um, who sort of Rosemary Schrager is. She's that fat woman who should eat more at the salad bar, who pitches up on Alan Titchmarsh's show and, um, and, and sort of cooks. But she's... And she seems to be coping. I mean, give her a due. What you see is what you get. She doesn't seem to have put on any airs and graces. She's been fairly cheerful, which means there's probably a breakdown around the corner. Somebody made me laugh. They, they were talking about uh, Brian Connolly having his breakdown. They said, and it's a very private thing, yet managed to pitch up on Daybreak, talking to their three people who are watching it, you know, about his illness. It's an odd thing, isn't it, really? Very, very odd thing. Uh, the good news is, this morning, that Ryland Clark was booted off the X Factor. This is the spray-tan-loving, no-talent Essex boy who needs to go back and find himself a proper job. The world of celebrity doesn't need you. We don't need another, another drunk out there on the streets, I'm afraid, and that's the picture in the papers that we saw. Uh, he's he, not blessed with, a, with the most outstanding voice. Uh, he did Mamma Mia and a Supreme Medley. Uh, Gary Barlow said it was too Eurovision. It wasn't even that lower standard, I'm afraid. It was so appalling. Uh, we had um, uh, the Pussycat doll, uh, Nicole Scherzinger, and she said he should go home. And I agree. Go home, stay home. OK? Try and find yourself a proper job. Try and be an adult. You know, 24 years old, but uh, behaviour... Seven, eight, something like that. Uh, the show featured performances by Rihanna and Bruno Mars... And then you had, uh, I think it was Union J who did Snow Patrol's Chasing Cars. But it's also multi-tracked now, isn't it? You really want to say to them, I'll tell you what, let's hear your singing now when we take away the microphones. Victoria Pendleton was kicked out of uh, Strictly Come Dancing. So that was good news. Goodbye, goodbye. OK, go back, do something interesting now. Go find yourself a proper job. Stop sort of hanging around the silly world of celebrity. It's a little bit embarrassing. And the latest contestant to leave, uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, is Colin Baker. Gutted over that one. The nice Colin Baker. But they had to do a thing with Eric Bristow, who's not a nice person. Don't like Eric Bristow at all, I'm afraid. So we've managed to kick out so far Nadine Doris, deeply unpopular with everybody. Nobody likes her. In fact, she's she's so shallow. She's almost like a little tributary, isn't she, of the Ganges. Brian Connolly quit on medical grounds. And Mr Baker, Colin Baker, the former Doctor Who star, said it was it was good to be leaving the Australian jungle. I don't know if you've started buying your Christmas toys on Amazon, but there is some advice here uh, on being very careful because third-party sellers cash in on the soaring demand. Third-party sellers on the website on Amazon are changing their price depending on the supply and the demand. So what they did, they've actually been around and they've tried. Uh, At the moment, uh, this is Lego Friends, Olivia's house. Pictured, it's one of the 2012 top toys for Christmas, being sold at one stage for £20 above the £69.99 recommended price. Which reminds me to tell you again, 
Marks and Spencers are knowingly ripping you off in Twickenham. I tell you this now, quite categorically, because yesterday I went to buy my papers. I bought them from Mr Modi. I find it so much easier with, uh, with a news agent who actually looks at the price on the paper. As about, imagine the scenario. So I go in to buy, I have to get some milk yesterday, some, uh, some, some, uh, some semi-skim milk. So I go and buy the semi- and I think, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll test out Marks and Spencers in Twickenham just to see if the word is filtered down from head office and from management to check the price of the papers. So I buy a copy of the Express. OK, the Express is the ludicrous price of pound thirty. I mean, frankly, it's the last time I should be buying the Express. But anyway, pound thirty. So I go to the till, I pay for the milk, and I see the paper flashed up, and it comes up as pound thirty-five. So uh, the bloke goes, that's £4, whatever it was. And I said, how much was the Express? He said, one thirty-five. So I hold the paper up to him, you know, trying, trying to hold it back, thinking, this has now gone on with Marks and Spencers for months. It's either just the Twickenham branch, or they're ripping you off big time. Small wonder customers are deserting. Small wonder. And so I said, it says pound thirty. And so he looks at me with a straight face, and he goes, yes, but it says one thirty-five on the till. And so what I wanted to say to him was, you can't be this stupid. You cannot be this dim. But instead, I say, but you can't sell it above the recommended retail price. He goes, oh, right. Well, of course, he doesn't know what to do. So he has to ring his little bell. So somebody comes over. And I'm thinking, what I wanted to do yesterday was go back into Marks and Spencers to see if they're still selling it for pound thirty-five, Because that's what it comes up on the till. And 99% of you do not sit down there and check the prices. Mainly because... The prices are not actually on the goods anymore. They're only on the shelf. But on the newspaper, you could see it. So if you bought, and it, it, for three papers it worked in there, the Daily Star on Sunday, the Sun on Sunday, and the Express. Those were the three papers that Marks and Spencer. So still, months later, they're ripping you off, knowing that they're ripping you off. They know, because I've already told them. We've to- You've told them, I've told them, and still they're doing it. Now, this is either blatant incompetence... From the management at Marks and Spencer's, where you hardly ever see them now. You hardly ever see They go hiding out in the storeroom with a yoghurt. And frankly, you know, I don't buy my food there anymore. I go elsewhere. I go to Waitrose. Better choice. Admittedly, the staff on the tills are near death, but I like to be there with them at the end, as they're just about putting the Heston Blumenthal Christmas pudding through. Marks and Spencer's, totally unimaginative. Party food, rubbish. Rest of it, I don't want to buy three items. I only want to buy one item. So it's, it's not catering for me, and that's why people are deserting them. And people are going to Waitrose, so they're getting better service. But uh, again, still selling the newspapers. So I tweeted yesterday, <coughs> excuse me, saying, <coughs> oh, me, the excitement. Uh, they're still ripping you off. They're still ripping you off. It's just, it's just not good enough. And they don't, the worst thing is, they don't seem to care. They really don't care. They couldn't give a stuff whether they cheat you or not. You feel like saying to them, look, I mean, how many months does this go on for? You know, I've seen the manager in here, I've told, and still nothing. Still nothing at all. Brilliant time, up north, says Paul. Weather very kind to us. This is the uh, Steve Allen unofficial fan club meeting. And uh, they went to the Christmas market, they took hundreds of pictures, they did Central Library, and, uh, and they did everything. The next jaunt, he said, will be in the, the spring. We may go to Blackpool. <laughs> God. There's a place you don't want to go to in a hurry, isn't it? Blackpool. He says, in the meanwhile, though, down south, I know that Diana, Sheila and Raimondo, Jackie, Marion, Rhett, Simon, Winnie and many more are looking forward to the Christmas lunch. So hello to Miss Diane's better half, Conrad, who, like the rest of us, was 37. I've decided 37 is the, is the best, best age. The best age. R.I.P. Larry Hagman, the lovely Diana Sheridan. She was the last of the original cast of Genevieve and, of course, remembered as Mrs Waterbury, the mother of Phyllis, Peter and Bobby in The Railway Children, survived by her daughter Jenny Hanley and her siblings, uh, who is, of course, an actress and a former presenter of Magpie. Uh, another one here, and this is from... Wait, I keep losing some of these things. Uh, there you go. Ryan, Ryland Clark, Steve, was not musical in any way. And that's a handicap in the music industry. Well, it's not. I wish I could... Do you know, I wish I could say it was. I wish I could say it was a handicap, but it's not. Nowadays, you look at Little Mix, and you look at all the people who get into the charts, the One Directions, you know, all so carefully put together in a studio, so carefully crafted, that that people think that you don't know what you're listening to. That's why you could listen to one of these Now Music 80, 82, 83, whatever they are things, coming up, and you... And you, it could be anybody singing. You could listen to Girls Aloud, it could be... 
One Direction, it could be the Spice Girls, it could be anybody. They all sound, <coughs> excuse me, exactly the same. And that's why it's a little bit worrying. <coughs> Jay says, if you told the manager about the papers, oh, countless times, countless, to the point of boredom in Marks and Spencer's, I'm afraid, to the point of boredom. It's just sad that they feel it necessary to, to sort of not check. Their t- they go round all the time with little things. Why are they not checking the newspapers on a Sunday? I mean, perhaps they like to make a bit of extra. Perhaps it's to pay for the staff Christmas party. Shame, really. And uh, Patricia says, I've no view one way or the other about Katie. But, oh, of course you do. Don't be so silly. Of course you've got an opinion. How, how naff. To not, I don't have an opinion. Of course you do. Well, do you not have an opinion about wars or anything like that? Of course you've got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. But anyway, it says here, um, uh, I don't have any opinion about her whatsoever. Uh, oh, I've lost the blasted thing. But, uh, but I think recent events have proved her, the remarks of her adversary, Miss Geldof, wrong. The latter apparently is one of those wrong-headed people who thinks dogs and babies are a lovely combination. They aren't. I know, we have seen stories like it. And uh, from one here, Victoria Pendleton had all the life of a showroom dummy in Strictly, came over as a spoilt drama queen. No no talented old has-been, I'm afraid. I've just bought my Christmas CD, Great Songs. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. That's my favourite, says Philip. (laughs) Sounds like like one of those jokes. It's a very rude Australian comic who does a song about... Uh, little Jimmy, or whatever his name is, waiting for his Christmas presents, and he doesn't get what he wants from Father Christmas. It's, it is very, very rude, I'm afraid. Uh, Graham says, why did the X Factor try to fool people by putting on stage musicians pretending to play their instruments, when you can quite clearly see they're not even plugged in? Well, they did it. <coughs> Excuse me, at the Royal Variety Performance, Rod Stewart is singing, When you wish upon a star... Mix. No, I mean, Rod Stewart, you know, Rod Stewart who brought you Maggie May and rocking and all this kind of stuff, singing a Disney song. It's kind of a little bit sad and a little bit soporific. But anyway, he's singing it and they've got girls playing violins, but they're not playing violins. You can see they're not playing. They're all out of tune, hopelessly. They're all, they're not, well, they're not even in tune. It makes no difference. They're just pretending to play violins. And I thought, do the, do the public get fooled by this kind of thing? I don't know. It'd be like Catherine Jenkins coming on and miming. And, of course, you know, she doesn't need to mind. She sings. She sings. Sings very well as well. Very well. It's a good programme. I thought the Royal Variety was good this year. One of my favourites. Not sure about the venue, though. Not totally sure about the venue. I'm not, I'm not sure that the Royal Albert Hall is, is the best place. Is the best place to, to have a, what I call an intimate thing. As, as Rod Gilbert, the comedian, told me, he said it, it's, uh, it's, it's awful for comedians because you can't engage with anybody. You know, you need to, you know, comedians need to see people's faces for, for it to have any, any impact. And, of course, it didn't there. He said, so I just gave up. He said, I, I just aimed the whole thing for the television camera. There's a camera that runs, you'll see it, it runs round the bottom of the, uh, of the stage, which is very interesting. The Royal Variety performance really was spectacular, so I hope you were able to catch some of it. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll get the shortlist for this year's Sports Personality of the Year, and there's one notable but welcome omission. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Earlier this week, we were given the shortlist of this year's Sports Personality of the Year nominations. So I wonder who will be the big winner this year. They've nominated all the people for the Sports Personality of the Year and there's no Victoria Pendleton. Hurrah! Nobody likes her. I didn't realise how how disliked she was. She's She's either crying, she's a bit of a drip, isn't she? She's a bit of a drip, so she's not nominated for the Olympics. They've got lots of people here for the Sports Personality of the Year, and she's not one of them. Hooray! Woo-woo-woo-woo! Big up for you on that one, kids. Perhaps they decided she's, uh, she's gone down the route of trying to pretend to be a personality, and she has no personality. She has no talent whatsoever, apart from doing her Olympic thing, and that's it. Very thin on the ground, I'm afraid. So they've got people like uh, Mo Farah. Could be, a, could be a potential winner. Andy Murray. Well, I don't know, really. I'm a bit bored with Andy Murray. David Weir, he's got lots of Olympic medals round his neck. Uh, Bradley Wiggins, could go to Bradley Wiggins, couldn't it, I suppose? So Chris Hoy, can't remember what he does. What does he do? Does he, oh, he rose, OK. Uh, Ellie Simmons, yeah, I'd quite like to, I'd like to see her do it. I'd, I'd quite like her. Rory uh, McIlroy, the golfer. Uh, Nicola Adams, 
The box... I'm not sure about that, actually. It's a little bit too butch for me. Catherine Granger, who does rowing. Uh, Sarah Storey, cycling. And Ben Ainsley, sailing as well. No, I want it to go to Ellie Simmons. There you go. I've made my choice. You just... If you just sort that one out, BBC, thank you very much indeed. OK, and I promise not to do all the other stories about the celebrities that you've kept hidden. OK, I'm, I'm just saying that now. So, uh, Ellie Simmons, please. Uh, Chris Hoy's a cyclist. Yeah, the, 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 the action you were doing was rowing, OK? It, it kind of doesn't quite look the same. Uh, cycling's a bit difficult, you just sort of... Like that, that's, that's cycling, OK? Rowing is... OK, that's rowing. God, blimey. Like row, row, row your boat. So, Ellie Simmons, please, if we can have her winning it. I'd be more than happy, more than happy. I love this story in the paper today. I mean, how, how stupid do people have to be? OK, the story is uh, of a man. And uh, his name is uh, Jan. That's all we'll call him for the purposes of this programme. And uh, he met Monica from Indonesia in his hometown of Antwerp. OK, which is lovely, isn't it? And um, he says, my, my second marriage was on the rocks and we quickly fell in love. He says uh, she was very attractive. All woman, you know. And uh, over the years, she was taking, you know, the pill and all the rest of it. And they were having FEX, you know, which they do. Anyway, after 19 years of marriage, you know, happy together, he suddenly discovered she's a bloke. She's a bloke. And uh, he says she had more than 100 pairs of shoes. And I've caught her ogling pictures of young men on the internet. But she was, I realised that the reason he sussed it, she couldn't iron. Apparently she couldn't iron. Which is, you know, I mean, it's a no-no in Antwerp, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you've got to find something. But it reminds me of the story years and years ago. And it's a very famous story of a very famous jazz singer. I might have been a player. I can't remember. Anyway, and uh, it was in America. You can Google it and find out. <clears throat> and this person released albums uh, as a man and married a woman over there. And they had two children. They adopted. The reason being that he said that he couldn't uh, produce children because of, a, because of a war wound. And so they were happily married for years and years and years. They had two children. The two children grew up. Might have been more than two children. I can't remember exactly. But this, this famous jazz person who appeared on album, on the radio, did concerts, did all sorts of things. When, when, um, when he died, funeral home came and took him into the funeral home and they phoned the wife up and they said, you do know that your husband is a woman. And she went, Aah! and she went, no. They went, yeah, it's a woman. She hadn't actually had a complete sex change, but she'd lived, it was one of these sort of butch lesbians who'd lived as a bloke, but hadn't managed to say to the wife for all these years, listen, we can't have F-E-X because of a war wound, and I'd rather you didn't bother, that kind of thing. So they didn't. And he went off and played in the jazz clubs at night, which, of course, was forbidden. He started doing it, apparently, because women weren't allowed to go play jazz clubs. So he dressed up as a man. And when you look at a picture of him, it just looks like a very butch lesbian. There's no two ways about it. But it carried on this pretense up until the day he died. And the family went, what? Our father is really a woman? Yep, it's a woman. You Google it on the internet, you'll be horrified. Horrified. Because now you look back and you go, doesn't look at all like a woman. I don't know how anybody could ever have thought... Sorry, it, it doesn't look at all like a man. I don't know how you could have thought it was ever a man. But perhaps people look different in those days. Very interesting story. And, uh, and totally true. But this bloke, 19 years. And then he actually dumped her because she couldn't iron and he discovered she was a man. <laughs> Imagine what a shock that would be to your ego. All your mates down the pub. Ooh, ooh, bloke, is it? You've been with for 19 years? Poor soul. It's in Antwerp, so luckily nobody will hear about the story. They will now. Uh, was Jess Ennis not on the sports list? Um, Jess Ennis. Yes, yes, Jessica Ennis is on us, but I don't want her to win. I want Ellie Simmons to win. I've already made this quite clear. I'm not messing around here. Either she wins or I'm calling a fix. OK? It's as simple as that. She has to go. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Twickenham does look very good at the moment. We've got lights up. I've bucked the trend. All the other, all the trees have got white lights on, except poor old Len Smiths, who've ended up with um, uh, solar lights, but you can't see them. This is pointless exercise. Might as well, you know, they've got to plug proper lights in. And uh, and we, we've actually got lots of multicoloured lights. 
which we like a lot. I'm not. I'm not going with the uh, the uh, the thing. Paul says Bradley Wiggins won the Tour de France and gold in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I think he's had enough things heaped on him, don't you? He's had enough things. Let's go for Ellie Simmons. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even discussing it with any of you. I don't feel the need to discuss it with people. I'm just telling you who's going to win and who should win. As simple as that. And aren't you grateful you don't live up north this morning? The flooding and the the devastation before Christmas for some of these people to have to to pump their houses. Oh, it must be dreadful. One minute we're all going, ooh, it's going to be a very dry summer this year, isn't it? Next minute we've got more water than we can cope with. The Lord Almighty must have... I mean, I'm looking at pictures of houses, and I'm thinking, it's just horrendous, because you've got to pump all the stuff out, and then you've got the sludge that's at the bottom. I mean, it's just... Horrendous. And of course, for many people in Tewkesbury who weren't insured, what do you do? If you're not insured, you've got to pay for it yourself. And if, if it's happened before, the insurance companies start making it really difficult for you. Awful. Uh, apparently, Lynn says Ryland has had his lips done. Well, he seems to have had everything done, but he's desperately unattractive. I mean, he really is, you know, in terms of ugly people, he must have been on the ugly tree and hit every branch as he fell through it. He really is unattractive. It's not his fault. Not his fault that he's unattractive. It's just that somebody needs to tell him. And I am that person. No point. To, I mean, he, he just looks like... He looks a little bit peculiar. He looks like Katie Price's makeup artist. Gary Cockrell. Gary Cockrell, they butch. And he looks like he's wearing pancake all the time. He looks like he's primped... Oh, he just looks... just looks odd. Doesn't look like a bloke at all. Looks like somebody who's sort of midway between here and the next world. Very odd. Oh, I was going to tell you, actually. Oh, I knew I was going to tell you. Um, the cost of Christmas has actually gone up, I'm afraid. And the reason I say it's gone up, it, I think it's up, I can't remember exactly how much, but it's certainly enough to make you worry. Because, as you know, the uh, the partridge in a pear tree, they're now up in price. You can't get them. You can't get them. The partridge in a pear tree is gone through the roof. The uh, the lords are leaping. I mean, you can get them, but they don't come cheap. They don't come cheap. So, in fact, if you want to buy all the gifts in the 12 days of Christmas, you know, on the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree. By the time you get to the end of it, you've got so much problem with the drummers drumming, the neighbours have taken out a noise abatement notice on you. You've got cows all over the place, there's mess, and then there's all oh, this... It's just awful. It's just awful, awful, awful. You've got the pipers playing as well, all times of the day and night. They won't stop. So you've got the drumming, the piping, the cows who've just kicked up the garden. You've got everything going on. And at the end of it, you've got the partridge in the pear tree. You've also got... I think there are. There's, there's eight maids a-milking. Where are they supposed to go? If you're in a bedsit, there is no room for maids a-milking. So they've got to go in the garden. The next-door neighbours, by this time, have now taken out legal advice. They're now sitting there with a machine gun because they want to annihilate the whole lot of you. There are, in the 12 days of Christmas, 360 presents listed. If you want to buy them all, and sometimes shipping costs will add to it, it's going to cost you this year... Go on, how much? £67,000. That's if, I mean, of course, if you're too tight to spend that, you're quite clearly going to have a miserable old Christmas, aren't you? Because you haven't got the money. So, 67 grand, and you can have the 12 days of Christmas. Eight maids are milking, nine lords are leaping, ten swans are... Swans! You know, you can get them in, but they're quite violent. It's quite difficult. 67 grand it's going to cost you if you actually want all the gifts for Christmas. I love it. I love it. Can't get enough of Christmas. I absolutely adore it. Uh, other stories which we culled from the papers over the weekend. We're having one of our good days. Uh, John Wise. He says, boo hiss to loose women. He says, there are always a few suggestions that spring to mind on how to improve loose women. Switching it off, he says, is usually the winner. He says the panel have been doing mock bush tucker trials while chum Linda Robson was in the jungle. One task, saw Carol McGiffin with a snake round her neck. Uh, I would say not tight enough, but as she's a fellow columnist. <laughs> Here are some other ideas. Seeing how long they can all get inside a soundproof, last inside a soundproof box. Getting them to present the entire show with masking tape over their mouths. Getting them to watch Loose Women reruns. OK, nobody would be that cruel. And when Loose Women guest Ross Kemp said, I had a little stroke around the corner, did anybody think he meant because of the panellists, or did we all know it was to do with the snake? Thought so as much. But uh, it's, it's lost its way, Loose Women, hasn't it? It really has lost its way. You've got the former weather girl who's telling you about her sex life in the newspapers last weekend, which is very dreary. Carol McGiffin, who can be feisty, but is having to toe the line on a few things, which is, uh, which is not good, I'm afraid. And... Um, and then what else do we have? He talks about I'm a Celebrity and Limal and Colin Baker. Cheryl, access all areas. 
and uh, it's, uh, it's <laughs> he doesn't like it either. I'm afraid nobody likes Cheryl, do they? Poor old Cheryl, Cheryl, she, poor old Shezza. You know, because she's got council estate. Shezza, what Shezza? Bit like that. And so she's on this program trying to sell her life and make it look as though she's doing something worthwhile. Diddly squat, as far as I was concerned. And uh, surprise, surprise, finally sorting out a good surprise with One Direction, pretending to be waxworks, which we thought was very good. So lifelike, boys, we thought. It's not working, that surprise, surprise. I'm sorry to say. It's not because of the presenters, it's just it's an old format. They've tried to bring it up to date, but it's just a freebie slot for people. I mean, it must be thrown together in about five seconds. You go to the charts, you find somebody who wants to appear on television, which is all of them, and you put them on there, and then you sort of you get a letter from somebody, and here she is, some, you know, spotty individual who wants to meet Katie Price. They wouldn't go that low. But you know the kind of thing I mean, and they have a, a group on there. It's a bit Jim will fix it. It's, it's the same as Jim will fix it, where he's sitting, you know, he'd sit there and he'd say, we've had a, a letter here from so-and-so, uh, they wanted to meet one, if One Direction had been around, they'd have been on Jim will fix it. Everybody went on, Jim will fix it. Every group, because that's what people did. It was free publicity. So you'd go on there to meet Gary Glitter. Little realising, little in all innocence, you know, Gary Glitter and Jimmy Savile on the same programme. Kind of like pervert's delight, isn't it, really, I suppose? One's still alive and the other one very much dead, but hopefully the message is getting through to him. And so you've got surprise, surprise, and it just doesn't work for me. I wish I could like that programme. It's just not the same this time around. Coming up at six, we catch up with singer Catherine Jenkins and actor Jason Fleming. So stay tuned to LBC 97.3 for that. But first, the news at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen here on LBC 97.3. At six this morning, as always, in conversation. This week, the lovely Catherine Jenkins will talk about her recording her festive album. And Jason Fleming will talk about his role in Great Expectations. But let's carry on with my best bits. And things started getting a bit more exciting down under in the celebrity jungle. I think Eric Bristow should turn the volume up in the jungle. I haven't really taken much notice of him. I, I, he's not ple- very pleasant, the little bits I've, uh, I've seen, I'm afraid. Not, uh, not good. Uh, got a packet of boxer shorts from Primark. I sent my voice up two octaves. They were so tight. Well, that's the trouble with not buying the right size, isn't it? You know, if you buy the right size, then they sort of fit, I suppose. But uh, I mean, that's not for me at all, I'm afraid. Absolutely not for me. Uh, so Rylan kicked out of uh, X Factor for being a loser. Make no mistake, if you're in till the end, you're a winner. If you're kicked out, you're a loser. And Ryland is a loser. An unattractive loser. An unattractive gay loser. An unattractive gay no-talented loser. I don't really know where you can put him, but he says here, I'm so glad I've stayed true to myself. I know, but that's why we didn't like it. That's why we, we kicked you out. I didn't, of course, because I don't vote for programmes like this. But he's now saying that uh, he, he would sleep with a woman to start a family. Oh, dear. <laughs> Obviously trying to hedge your bets on that one, Ryland. I don't think so. And he thinks that he could actually have, uh, have a very good chance of entering Eurovision and being our entry for Europe. No, we, want, no, we don't want silly little show-offs. OK, we want proper people to sing for us, I'm afraid. But he says here, I know by going forward in this industry, well, you've, you've, that's as far as you're going. There is no going... We know that you're going to feature in the live episode of The Only Way is Essex, uh, which is great. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. I shan't be watching. It'll be too embarrassing to see Lydia Dim and, and her strange mother with the hair that looks like it's been plugged into an electric socket and all the other ones on the programme struggling to actually come up with something. I can't wait for the first cock-ups on the programme. Joey Essex says, I'm going to be on it. He said, and I'll prove to people I really am that thick. Don't need to prove anything to us, matey. It's the fact that you're not really making the best of it. Have you noticed that all of them seem to have shops? They've all got shops, or they do vajazzling, or they do this and that. And poor old Amy Childs has just spent, as we told you yesterday, 80,000 quid on a NAF number plate. Expect the uh, the little the Amy Babille to be trashed any time soon. And so she's spent 80 grand, 80,000 pounds on a number plate. I suppose, as I said yesterday, it's tax deductible, but it's, it's eminently sad, isn't it, Amy, that that's the best you can get. But uh, Ryland will probably do the same. Uh, no pantomime offers. We don't really want that kind of thing, do we? Don't you want to take the children to see that sort of thing? But he says the tension between the two people, that's him and Gary Barlow, encouraged viewers to keep him in the contest for so long. No, they, they were seriously hoping, Ryland, I mean, you are deluded, aren't you? They were seriously hoping that you might have had some sort of talent and it might have emerged. 
and it didn't. But never mind, doesn't matter. Uh, one here, uh, Helen Flanagan in... The, I still can't get over Dean Gaffney. I must look at this story again. This is a bit, this, they must be... I haven't got anything to write about in the sun. So they've, they've gone with it, and they've decided that this is, you know, this is their front-page story. Whereas the front-page story to me is the ice cream wars. A lot of the papers are running with two ice cream vans run by... One by a not-very-nice thug who gets out of the wagon because the other bloke he thought was on his territory. And I've seen this before. They're generally the people who run the ice cream wagons in and around London. This wasn't in London. It was outside of London. They're, They're thugs. Okay, they're ripping people off. They don't carry licenses, a lot of them. And they're just not very nice people. So, in this particular one, one van rammed into the other one because he thought that the other driver was trying to attack him, which he was. So the driver gets out and he's got a crowbar with him. That's the sort of people they are. (coughs) Filth. Anyway, he's been found guilty of assaulting the other bloke. I hope he goes to prison. I hope he goes to print nasty little piece of work. I'll tell you who he is a bit later on, because we like to we like to name names where we can, provided they've been convicted, which is good. Um, who else? Oh, um, uh, Sharon Osborne has had a double mastectomy. It's obviously the in thing to do, because you had that Michelle Heaton who's had it done as well. Sharon Osborne's had it done. She said, I've had letters from people who were in the same position. That's made me feel really good. Oh, you always get letters from people in the same position. You always get that kind of thing. So she's had it done. And she's appearing on a, a new programme called That Dog Can Dance. So it's got Pudsey on and it's, uh, it's Simon Cowell's new ITV Christmas show. Sounds a bit lame, doesn't it, really? But I'm sure it'll probably do quite well. <coughs> so Cyril Smith did sexually abuse boys. He put them over his knee and spanked them. There was certainly enough of his knees to be spanked over. And let's face it, I mean, he was a huge, huge person. Dean Gaffney, he longs to become a spy and asks, uh, how hard can it be? He's applied for a job as a mobile surveillance officer after answering an advert on their website. I hate to tell you this, Dean, but you can't be that stupid. Tell me you're not that thick, please. If you're an MI5 officer, you don't go to the newspapers and tell them you're going to be an MI5 officer. The whole idea, it's part of the secret service. The clue, Dean, Dimbo, is secret. OK? You're not... I mean, my, my producer could be a secret agent for Smirsh or something. I don't know. It could be for anything. But the whole idea is that you're supposed to do it quietly. You don't tell people what you're doing, OK? So I don't think they'll be taking you. OK, I don't want to ruin your day because it's probably the only job you had lined up between now and Christmas, but it's not going to happen, all right? I'll tell you that now. Ha, 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 ha. There's no point. It's just a silly little story that goes nowhere, I'm afraid. Here's, um... Oh, Yes. This is a Romanian gangster who used a cash machine skimming device to obtain 9,000 pin numbers. I've always said, be very careful, I always try and move the thing on the wall. If it comes away in your hand, don't bother. Uh, this is uh, Leonid Rotaru. He was caught red-handed returning to collect a sophisticated card reader from a cash point at Tesco's. It's either that or, the, or they get all your information from garages. Garages have got the worst criminals in. And the owners of them go, well, I never know who worked here. And they put people in there, they skim all your cards... And they get all the information and the person moves on somewhere else. It's known fact. In fact, there's two places where they are skimmed the most, where most card fraud emerges from. Uh, garages is top of the list. I can't tell you the other one because it's going to sound horrible. It's good. Well, I'll just say restaurants, but it's a certain type of restaurant, OK? I'll just say restaurants, but that's, that's what uh, Visa told me. Asia said that's where people get cloned. And also, if you've got a gold card... There's more chance of your card being cloned than anything else. This particular Romanian fraudster was already on the run for similar offences in Taunton. Uh, he's been remanded for sentencing. Oh, ten years, I think. What do you think, ten years? I've noticed some people who are murderers in court at the moment have said that being in court, being in prison for life is an infringement of their civil liberties. So they're taking it to the European Court of Human Rights. Big a bunch of bozos you'd be hard pushed to find, I suppose. Uh, yes, we agree it is an infringement of their civil rights that uh, they murdered all five members of one family and we shouldn't really keep them in prison for all their life because it's not nice and they need to come out, which is hilarious. Uh, Graham says, Ryland finding a woman to have a family, you'll have more chance of having a double whammy. Win the X Factor and Eurovision. No chance. Uh, one here, Helen Flanagan may be talentless, but she's stunningly beautiful. God... Was he set your sights pretty low? Uh, Jeremy Kyle got an award for his show at the TV Awards. <laughs> yeah, but they, they hand them out like toffees, don't they? If somebody turns up, then they give them an award. Cyril Smith was 29 stone and he never heard of salads. 
Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I found it amazing that it went on and it was a police investigation and they just didn't bother with it. They didn't bother with it at all. They just went, oh, But he was fat. It was the fat thing. I mean, he was fat. In terms of fat, you know, I think he was bigger than 29 stone. I think what Russell Grant told me that he was 29 stone at one point, and he's lost a load. I mean, he's really lost a load, but that was through depression and working. Then he did the dancing thing, and he's got a single coming out as well. He has a single coming out, which is, I think, if memory serves me, he told me it was Shirley Ellis's The Clapping Song, which goes, three, six, nine, goose drank wine, the monkey chewed tobacco on the street, car line, line broke, monkey got dunked, and they all went to heaven in a little rowboat, clap, clap. And it goes like that. Shirley Ellis, the clapping song. And that's the best version you're ever going to hear. That's the best version. Can you answer a question for me? Can my DVD box set of Downton Abbey work on my brother's DVD unit in Canada, says Peter? I've got no idea. I don't know your brother. I've got no idea. I mean, there is a chance, maybe. I mean, every machine can play everything now. At one time, you had to get them chipped. You had to pay a bit extra. Or you put a code in, and it changed. But I think at the moment, everything should play. Why can't he buy it himself? Why don't you... If you're buying it from Amazon, then why don't you go to Amazon.com and just put in a Canadian address and then they'll send him one from his own country and pay for it here and just send it over there because I've got accounts with Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. I mean, most most DVDs in this country are Region 2, but and over there I think they'd be Region 1. I think America and Canada are Region 1, but most, most things are, re- are multi-region now. Most things, are, and they're so cheap, DVD players. If he hasn't got one that plays multi-region, go and buy one. They're, so, they're literally so cheap. What did I pay last year for a DVD player? I mean, because we saw them. No, actually, it wasn't last year, year before. Um, I think Paul Savory and I had seen one, and it was something like £9.99 in Asda or whatever. You can get one for 20 quid now. 20 quid for a DVD player. It's so cheap. There's no excuse for people not having it. If you can afford a mobile phone, you can certainly afford a DVD player. So... It might not play, but on the other hand, it probably will because everything's multi-region. OK? God, it's so, so handy being useful at first thing in the morning. Uh, more pictures of the uh, <laughs> the caravan site underwater in Wales. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But uh, couldn't happen to some nicer people. Um, and the great train robber, James Hussey, was laid to rest the other day. In other words, we buried him, OK? So he's dead. Fellow robbers, Bruce Reynolds and Bob... Imagine being known as that. There's a couple of robbers are coming to... Uh, robbers? I mean, it's such an old-fashioned word, robbers. There are about 190, these people. Now, Big Jim, now known as Big Thin Jim, because he's dead, was 79. And he was the one, you remember, said on his deathbed that he coshed the, uh, the train driver with the iron bar Jack Mills. So I should imagine the family of Jack Mills are absolutely delighted that he's dead. Delighted. Gangland boss Eddie Richardson was also at the funeral. God, blimey, it's like going back into the 60s. I feel like I've wandered back in again. I remember going, we went to, oh, years ago. Years and years ago, Barbara had a screening over in the East End of Sparrows Can't Sing, which is, a, which is a lovely, lovely little film. It really is. It sort of captures London. And there were so many, what I call, gangsters in the audience. I'm standing next to all these people who turn out to listen to the programme. They turn out to listen to the programme. They go, hi, Steve, listen to the programme, mate, every morning. Thank you. Thank you. I thought you're not going to argue, are you? Duncan had a shop robber on air. Yes, I heard him the other... I think he made it up. I don't believe he is a, a robber. I think he's just one of these attention seekers. Yeah, mate, I was a robber. They all think if you talk like that, you know, that kind of makes you a robber. Uh, what did you do? I should rob. You should go on the rob, mate. And we go, oh, that's nice, isn't it? I like the idea of proper robber. Proper robber. I mean, I used to rob as well. I used to rob from apple trees. I used to call it scrumping, I think. It's scrumping. Never got into trouble, of course. But as you know, the Steve Allen Show, I am the force's sweetheart. I am the... Fo- I don't think I could ever be anything like that. Anything like that at all. I love the idea yesterday of Angus T. Jones from Two and a Half Men branding the show filth because he's, he's discovered God and the Bible. And he's been in it since he was ten. He gets £220,000 an episode and he's urged viewers to snub it. He said it's filth. Absolute filth. And that's what happens, you know, when, when you sort of discover something else in your life, and he's obviously been quite indoctrinated by God and the Bible, he's decided what he's been doing. So I'm hoping that uh, Angus is going to give all that money back. I bet he isn't, because he's one of those, yeah, I'm preaching to you now, I'm telling you, don't watch it, it's filth, uh, but I'm keeping all the money I made out of it, even though it's tainted money. But uh, good for him for at least standing up and saying that some of the programmes that you get on television are, in fact, a pile of old tosh. 
TV just isn't as good as it used to be these days. We'll take a quick break here, after which we have another celebrity getting her knickers in a twist. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. At the start of the week, that eternal fame chaser Nadine Dorries was kicked out of the jungle. And since then, she's been the centre of a lot of scrutiny from other MPs. Do you remember the deluded MP who... uh, is so far up her own rear end, she's failed to see the sunlight. Anyway, she was criticised by an MP the other week who said it's disgraceful, you know, that this, this woman should be doing this. And so Nadine rounded on him quite, uh, quite badly and said, well, I, I've been checking you out. She said, you seem to be having more than your fair share of holidays. And he said, in, in a quite calm voice, of course it's different, he said, equating what you were doing out in the jungle for a fee whilst I was in hospital having open-heart surgery. Made her look about that big. What a stupid woman. What a stupid, stupid woman. Some have paid out some money to Louis Walsh, after they libelled him, badly, after some man claimed he'd been groped in a club by Louis Walsh. Anybody could have told you it was the biggest pile of rubbish going, but they stupidly went with it. It cost them half a million quid to, to, uh, <coughs> to settle that one. So that was good news. And then they, they, they've continued running with that silly story they went with yesterday which is um, Dean Gaffney wanting to be a new James Bond. I mean, it's a, they must have run out of things to put in the paper. On the front page, they've got Eric Bristow, who's that not-very-nice bloke in the jungle. The, he's just a fat darts player. That's all you can say about him, with a deeply unpleasant side. And uh, apparently now uh, he's, he's landed at the centre of a, a row after his manager threatened to call in lawyers over his portrayal on the show. Oh, God, honestly, what a bunch of girls. What a bunch of... His portrayal on the show. What, the fact that he's a nasty thug and he's a bully? God, blimey, how can you portray that any differently? Even the son have said, you know... I mean, they've actually got a quote from his son. Apparently, Eric's son, James, 19, said, I'm really... And then he used a rude word, because quite clearly he's as common as muck. And uh, he says here, um, I can't... I'm really... I'll use the word fed up with the way Dad's been made to look. The edit's been totally unfair, and I know his manager is talking to lawyers about it. Wait, wait for this. The feeling was that if things uh, can't get any worse, otherwise we will go for ITV and cause them huge problems. Ooh, you big girl. Ooh, we're so frightened, James. Ooh, everybody stand back. James Bristow's made a comment. What a drip. What a drip. The way he's being made to look. I mean, perhaps you've not seen the programme. It's, 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 you know, I realise in the editing they could do things, but you can't, you can't fail to see the words that have come out of his mouth. The man's a nasty piece of work. We knew that before he went in there. So, so James, girly boy, just stay out of it. It's a television programme. If, if your overweight, fat father, who's not very pleasant, doesn't want to be there, he can walk out. He's an adult. Quite clearly not as stupid as you, though. We can cause big trouble for ITV. <gasps> God, we're so scared. I bet ITV are quaking in their boots at the thought of James... Br- oh, God, James Bristow's coming down. No! Yeah, James Br- He's going to make trouble for ITV. No! He's really, really, really angry. He's really fed up. No! What, James Bristow? Yeah! Ooh, scared. Don't think so. Don't think so. And his lawyer said we'll be... Go- <laughs> yeah, because he signed a legal document. He knows what the programme is, unless he's particularly stupid. You've got a leg to stand on, pal, as well you know. Otherwise, just take him out now, get rid of the fat bloke who plays darts. That was what I always thought was the most intelligent thing you could ever do. What do you do? I throw darts at a board. Wow, whoopee, whoopee. And I did say that we would find the bloke yesterday who did the monkey gesture. You know, the Sunderland fan. Yes, we've got him. His name's Liam Jones. He's quite clearly a bit of a dimbo. There's not a lot going on between his ears. He's unemployed, of course. Big surprise there. And apparently he's a... He's a, he's a boxer. Ooh, scared. Scared again, aren't we, for, for that one there. Where's a flat cap? Comes from Sunderland. Lives in a flat uh, with his brother, who apparently carries the bucket for him when he goes into the ring to fight. Ooh, scared. But uh, anyway, he's a bit pathetic. And uh, he says, I've been let out for that monkey thing. They made a similar gesture to show what he meant. He's quite clearly a bit remedial again. It's my favourite word of the week. You know, he's not all there between the ears. He looks a bit stupid. He looks a bit thick. He can't help it. It's not his fault. 
you know, you come from Sunderland, you start with a handicap, nothing you could do about it, you come from Sunderland, and you, you know, and you sort of look at him and you think, you really are that stupid, I can't believe in this day and age that you even report people who, well, I can understand you report it, because you can't believe that somebody would be that stupid to do a monkey gesture to a black football player. I mean, you, you can't understand the low-life mentality. Liam Jones, 21, going on three, I suspect. Am I the only one a bit bored with Leveson? I don't, I'm sorry about it. You know, I'm sorry that celebrities got their phones hacked. I'm sorry that people listened into their boring conversations. You know, I'm very... I mean, it, it, it does seem that for the ordinary people who got hijacked, it's been... They've been hijacked by the celebrities. It's turned into, it was only celebrities. Well, it wasn't. It was loads of other people. But this phone hacking thing, anybody will tell you, they, this went on for donkey's years. We were in Fleet Street back in 79, and I was aware of it then. That's what they did. They listened into people's phone calls. That's how they got some of the stories of the post. I don't understand why people make a big fuss about it. If it's, if it's ruined your career and you've suffered as a result, well, then fair enough. But, by God, we seem to spend most of our time now in litigation in this country. You know, most of the time, oh, we go to court. Going to court, you know, don't like... So, somebody called me a fat Australian. Go to court! Well, go to bloody court, then. I'm, I'm so bored with these people. It is just ridiculous. I thought the whole idea was, you know, that we have free, exuberant media... And how they get a story, I couldn't care less. I'm sorry. I mean, it might seem very harsh, but I couldn't give a stuff if people have been hacked. Don't make any difference to my life. Don't make any difference to their life either. I don't notice people suffering. It just gives them more opportunity to spout dribble on the television. They just, you know, they pitch up. It's the same people. Oh, this is dreadful. You know, it's an infringement. What well, I mean, what sort of conversations are these people having? I just, you know, the sort of... And why are they leaving it on voicemail? I mean, what sort of, you know, the, the conversations you can only imagine. Must, you know, my, my conversations are, hi, how are you? What have you done today? I mean, you know, and so so she'll say, oh, today we did so-and-so, so-and-so. And I'll go, yeah, I did, so oh, I had a really good interview today with so And this is how our conversations go. And then I'll go, oh, by the way, I've got a, I've got a new um, booking. And uh, I've got a new, new celebrity coming in, I think next week, week after. Billy Crystal's coming in for In Conversation. And so I said, oh, I've got Billy Crystal coming in. She goes, oh, what? I mean, if somebody wants to hack that, please hack it. Please hack it. I'd be more than happy to share my conversations with the entire world. And most of them are, hi, Steve here, just calling for a chat. Call me back when you can. That's all it would be, isn't it? But, I mean, would you ever leave a voicemail going, OK, my bank account number is 3712560. I think I've just slept with an underage girl. Yeah, it was dreadful. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's awful. Call, call me back if, if you can. I mean, you know, <laughs> who leaves those sort of conversations? You wouldn't leave a voicemail that was going to incriminate you in any way, shape or form. You don't do stuff like that now. And yet all these celebrities, out they come drunk. Yeah, they've been given good money, these people. How you evaluate this, you know. Perhaps they stand in court and cry, I don't know. But I know for one, most of the British people, you ask anybody in any pub, like the breadth of the land, what do you think about it? They go, couldn't give a stuff. Couldn't give a stuff, you know. But they've done pages and pages and pages of it in the newspaper, mainly because it's the newspapers who are going to be coughing up for it. Sadly, today the guest columnist is, oh my God, they've overmade you up, haven't they? Nadine Doris, how you find time to do this, write books... And be a good uh, person to look after your constituents is totally beyond me. But I'm sure you'll manage somewhere. But I think we've had enough of you, darling. I really think. I've had enough of Dean Gaffney as well. Ugh, ghastly person. Ghastly person. After that stupid comment the other day, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a spy. You know, MI5, MI6, they must be looking at you going, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Listen, you were chronically bad in EastEnders. You don't think you're going to be any better as a spy. And unfortunately, because everybody's going to know it's you, they're going, oh, look, Dean Gaffney's following us. Hi, Dean. Hi. Wait, he's, he's taking a photograph. Anyway, mm, do I look good? Look, do I take a picture, Dean? Because he's a spy. I mean, you know, a more of course, what they've done to make him look even more ridiculous. Because the editor, Dominic Monaghan, said the other day, he said, because he's, he's not working, so he's obviously looking for something. So they've pictured him with, with two tall models. So he, of course, looks like a midget. Poor soul in the... <laughs> Never mind, Dean. It's, it's your bit of fame, isn't it? Cut it out, put it in your scrapbook. And just go and do an Agatha Christie. I mean, I can't, I can't see him being old enough to be an Agatha Christie thing. Although I did watch Great Expectations the other day. And it's got, um, it's got loads of people in it. Loads of famous people. Including David Walliams. And it's got Helena Bonham Carter, who plays Miss Havisham. Who all of a sudden has become quite glamorous. <laughs> Miss Havisham is very, very glamorous. Rafe Fiennes is in it. I mean, there's everybody. It's, a, it's an all-star stellar cast. And I'll be talking to one member of the stellar cast 
a little bit later on this morning for In Conversation. Apart from that, what did I do yesterday? Went to my accountant. Do you know, we spent half an hour talking about about sort of famous actresses and people that we know and people we've met. I'm the most famous person on his books now. I'm the most famous person on his books. But uh, so I, I don't know. Don't tell him about you, dear. No. Producer thinks I'm talking about her. I never mentioned you at all. I do you in phone messages to people. I say she's in again, barking mad, you know, as per usual. But, um, no, so we ended up talking about all sorts of things. And he was telling me a very sad story. Of face- he said, you don't do Facebook, do you? And I said, no. He said, it's really dangerous. Oh, my God, what the dickens is that? So it's another picture of Robbie Williams. I wish Robbie Williams had stopped trying to look butch. I hope he doesn't come back and live in this country. Oh, dear. Dreadful. Uh, 84850, uh, Georgina says, you do make me laugh, Steve. There you go. I love that. Well, that's all we, that's all we care about. Listen, everybody's listening to this programme. At this time of the morning, everybody, every single, even people on other radio stations are listening to this programme, which is what I like. Down the, uh, down the road the other day, not from me, but in Devon, ran an emu, a four-foot emu. It had escaped from a house where it was kept in a paddock. I have to ask the question, who keeps an emu in a paddock in their garden? What sort of Pratt would do that. I mean, I can't... I've, an emu in the garden. It's like somebody who, who pinched a... Sorry? An emu, it's like an ostrich. They give you a nasty peck, I believe. But, but you wouldn't have one. I mean, I believe you can eat them. I believe you can sort of... If Colonel Sanders had discovered these before chickens, the boxes would have been blooming enormous. But uh, they had to chase it down the street the other day because it had escaped. It was trying to go into a house through the letterbox, I don't know, whatever it was trying to do, it, it didn't get in there, but they ended up catching it and sort of getting it back. I mean, a, you know, a, a quick, a, a kick from one of these things can literally break your legs. They're that, they're that powerful. And I was talking the other day to somebody, who was talking about horses? We were talking about horses because my goddaughter had a nasty experience with a horse. And somebody else the other day, who the dickens was it? I was talking to somebody about it, and they were saying that they'd been uh, with a horse and it had kicked them. They were standing round the back and the horse had just kicked them, broke their legs. I mean, and I said, but you've only got to look at horses to realise they're, they're, they're all muscle in the back. You know, in, in those back legs and in the front legs. You don't, you don't want a horse to roll on top of you. You know, you're going to come off the worst. At, at, at best, you're going to escape with broken ribs and a neck and everything else. But at worst, you could die. That's why, you know, you, you look at these things coming down when they go down. They're awful. But when they kick you, whew, you better watch out. You really better watch out. Not good at all. Well, there we go. Steve's life lesson of the day. So now you know. Those were my best bits from last week. I'm back tomorrow at 4am and throughout the week, so join me then. You can download the podcast from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next, you'll hear from singer Catherine Jenkins and actor Jason Fleming for my In Conversation With. But now, the latest news at six.